Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Chapter 11, if you want to turn there with me. This passage of scripture is uh, very, very interesting because it's triggered out of the disciples uh, asking Jesus to teach them to pray. You and I are in a, um, uh, a technological uh, society and generation, and uh, technology has changed the way people communicate and process life. If you don't realize that, well, you need to pay some attention to it. People today uh, text instead of talk. They Google instead of read and research. They gigabyte instead of having a library. But one of the things that you cannot change in genuine prayer, you cannot change the reality that you have to engage God personally in prayer. I was pondering about that as I was sitting here this morning, and uh, uh, prayer has uh, many different concepts and uh, understandings. You have the uh, Tibetan uh, monks who spin the prayer wheels, you know. They, they, sometimes they have banks of prayer wheel, and they spin these or have prayers on them. Uh, you, uh, uh, you go uh, into uh, Russia in uh, Red Square, the onion-domed, uh, churches that are there, they all have altars underneath that. And the belief is that there's an arcane or mysterious prayer force that's going up from those altars to bring down God's power. Uh, Notre Dame University, or Notre Dame Church, rather, uh, has the flying buttresses because they believe that uh, they're putting up prayer to God. Uh, I was in Turkey on the, one of the seven churches of Revelation tour and I was sitting on the bus waiting and uh, the man was talking to the driver and he had the prayer beads and all the time he's talking he's smoking a cigarette talking he's 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 moving the beads that's to him that is doing a arc an arcane or mysterious uh, uh, form of prayer and so uh, we know that that uh, that uh, is uh, it's ridiculous. Can you say amen? amen? But also in the subject of prayer, there are many things that uh, people are doing very ridiculous. So Luke's Gospel, chapter eleven. Let's read that for a moment. I want to talk to you about making it personal. Now it came to pass, as he was praying in a certain place, when he seized that one of the disciples said to him, Lord. Teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciple. So he said to them, When you pray, say, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day. Uh, give us day by day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins. For we also forgive everyone who is indebted to us, and do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And he said to them, Which of you, 
shall have a friend and go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, friend, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine has come to me on his journey and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer him within and say, do not trouble me. The door is now shut. My children are with me in bed. I cannot rise and serve you. But I say to you, though he will not rise and give, uh, 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 he not rise and give to him because he's his friend. Yet because of his uh, persistence, he will rise and give him as many as he needs. So I say to you, ask and it shall be given to you. Seek and you'll find. Knock and it will be opened to you for everyone who asks receives and he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks it will be opened. If a son asks for bread, for many of uh, father among you, will he give him a stone? Or if he uh, asks for a fish, Will he give him a serpent instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those uh, who ask him? So let's think for a moment because these words are very, very profound and have uh, a world of meaning. When we talk about prayer, we're talking about transcendental dimension. Or in other words, it goes beyond the earthly, the physical, uh, and the, uh, uh, and the uh, temporal dimension because prayer is more than just simply a uh, temporal dimension. There's a great uh, emphasis today on uh, goal setting. Uh, much of the church world is caught up into goal setting uh, that uh, there's a mental exercise. And so... Uh, and much of prayer has has been degenerated into a formula, uh, into a formula, and uh, mind over matter and uh, various kinds of techniques and principles. But look with me for a moment, because prayer this morning is an experience in the supernatural. It is in a spiritual realm, and in verse thirteen, Jesus says, "Your heavenly Father." give the Holy Spirit to those uh, who ask him. This is not talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. This is talking about a, a, a dimension that prayer is intended to be projected into human beings uh, making a connect with God. This is, a, this is a, a generation that disconnects much of what this generation does actually disconnect. They're involved in technology. They're involved in all kinds of technique. But uh, when Jesus uh, talks about this, he says that when you pray, you can expect God to begin to make a connection, releases a spiritual and a supernatural dimension that you project as you begin to make your uh, request before God. It's an activation or a release of a spiritual dimension and a manifestation of a supernatural dimension is not mind over matter can you say it's not involved with technique and in Jude 20 uh, the prophet says building yourselves upon your most holy faith praying in the Holy Spirit this is why Jesus said when you pray say our father who is in heaven because it must transcend our mind can you say amen 
prayer must go beyond our mental abilities. And in Ephesians 3, verse 20, it says, Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. So this defines it then. Prayer now must make a connect with God through the Holy Spirit that God releases this and it projects something beyond our ability to think or our mental capacities and makes a connection in the supernatural realm with the Spirit of God and that must take place and it's a transcendence into a spiritual dimension. It's a quickening, if you will, of the Holy Spirit. It must move our faith beyond something that we're engineering in our mind. Can you say amen? amen. How many of you have ever been praying? As you're praying, uh, God just moves in your spirit and he begins to trigger something in you, uh, a concept, a revelation, something in a spiritual dimension. And so it's beyond the human limitation to believe God for what he can do, not what you can do uh, and it brings uh, the supernatural dimension down to the reality uh, of where you are at the moment. Jesus frames this issue for us. In the book of Luke chapter 11 and verse 20, he says, But if I cast out demons with the finger of God, surely the kingdom of God has come upon you. So here we have the reality of that, that when we pray, you know, it's an astonishing thing to me uh, to see so many people who say that they are believers, but they seldom if ever pray. See, our churches, are, many of them are unique because we have, we have encouraged a habit of praying before services, a time of prayer, and I'm astonished how many people never ever take the effort and make the time to pray. They say they believe God. Can you say Amen. They say we know that God can do far beyond we can even dream or think. He can do that. And if you believe that, why do you never pray then? See, what you're talking about is an activation. Actually, they'll add a dimension of an angelic dimension. Here's Daniel. He goes to pray in the book of Daniel. And as he goes to pray, he's at prayer 21 days and fasting and prayer uh, before it seems that anything's moving, but unbeknown to him, uh, when the angel Gabriel comes, says to him, Daniel, from the very first day that you begin to pray, things begin to move in the heavenlies uh, that are being played out on planet Earth. Uh, and uh, here we understand there's an angelic dimension that's triggered by prayer. Jesus is in the garden, and is in the garden uh, uh, there. Uh, the... Uh, uh, the revelation comes that angels came and ministered to him. So if we can believe the word of God, and we can, then this means that uh, there is a triggering in an invisible realm by the Holy Spirit uh, and by an angelic presence. Uh, and the Bible reveals to us uh, in Hebrews uh, are not the angels all ministering spirits to you and I who shall be the heirs uh, of salvation. So let's think for a moment about this business of making it personal. We're talking about uh, this morning in this text an invitation that God gives to you and I uh, to engage ourselves uh, in, in prayer. He draws this picture. See, many people uh, uh, have a wrong concept of God. 
and the concept uh, is uh, a reluctant father and uh, it uh, if you how many of you have children let me see if you're going to understand what i mean say yeah, okay and so you know your children they want something from you you don't want them to have it and and and, uh, and so they they uh, they cry they whine they uh, please, please, you know, if, if daddy won't give it to him, they go to mama. You know, I mean, it's just, uh, uh, so many people have, have that idea that here's God, you know, he, he, he can do, but, uh, you know, we got to ring out of him uh, uh, whatever we're going to get. But this, this text gives us uh, an understanding that we have an invitation from God. And that invitation is to lay hold of him. He is not a reluctant father. And he say, Amen. He tells this little story. Uh, you're fathers, uh, and you have your children, and if your children come to you and ask for bread, and he draws this picture of a hungry child, and asks for you bread, uh, will you say, uh, here, have a rock? <laughs> yeah, I tricked you, didn't I? Are you following me this morning? He draws that deliberate picture, and as he draws that deliberate picture, he makes us understand that prayer is an invitation that God gives us to personally become engaged in our Heavenly Father who is willing to release a spiritual dimension in our behalf. I was uh, conversing with, uh, with our uh, disciples in Minute Breakfast last week, and uh, uh, we were talking about prayer, and, uh, and Angel Morales said, uh, uh, did you know that uh, on, your, on your iPhone, you know, everybody today's got an iPhone, did you know that on your iPhone they have programs, they have apps, and you can, instead of having your, saying your own Hail Marys and your own rosaries, you can, you can punch it into the iPhone, and for 99 cents they'll do it all for you. I said, you've got to be kidding me. No, absolutely. He said, and he, he dialed it up for me, and you can, get to, you can tap in and uh, all, all the Hail Marys and all the rosary will be done for you. So let's look for a moment here because that is a disconnect from what this scripture says. The Bible says very plainly that God is pleased to answer our prayer. And he uses this word, you, if you being fathers, how much more shall your heavenly Father give to you or move in your behalf. Look at verses 9 and 10 for a moment. So I say to you, ask, and it will be given you. Seek, and you'll find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. As I say again, here is the imagery of a hungry child uh, that uh, comes to the Father and asks for bread to nourish their bodies, uh, how much more will your heavenly Father do that uh, because it's an open invitation that is great emphasis uh, in the Bible over and over and over again. Jeremiah 33, verse 3, call unto me and I'll answer you. I'll give, show you great and mighty things uh, which you do not know. Over and over again in the Bible, here is this uh, invitation by God to prayer and Jesus emphasizes this in John 14 verse 13 John 14 13 and 14 and whatever you ask in my name that I will do that the father may be glorified in the son if you ask anything in my name I will do it 
This is not something that we have to wring out of God. We understand their spiritual dimension. We must break through. Uh, and he uses this, uh, uh, the story of the friend borrowing bread that you have to persist on. But God is not reluctant to answer prayer. And in the uh, scripture uh, uh, tells us over and over again that this is God's plan for his creation, human beings, to be able to come before him uh, and petition him and him to move uh, in their behalf. And in Luke twelve thirty two, he said to the disciple, do not fear, little flock, uh, for it's your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. So in other words, when we come to prayer, we're not, uh, uh, we're not out of sync. This is God's plan. Can you say amen? This is God's plan. And this plan is to him being involved with you, connected with you as you pray uh, and beginning to work in your behalf. And this is the greatest concept of time or eternity that God's creation can petition an all-powerful God and he will hear and he will answer prayer. An infinite creator, a creator uh, will respond to finite man. This is one of the uh, most uh, uh, mind-blowing uh, 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 dimensions of the Christian faith is that here is, uh, here's flawed humanity. Uh, here is humanity that has uh, been weakened by sin, uh, that the devil has exploited. Here is man who has no claims on God of any kind. He's sinned, fallen short of the glory of God. He has polluted himself. Uh, he lives uh, in a temporal realm, which is the lower nature. He, uh, uh, is, uh, uh, he, he's filled with all kinds of limitations, and yet that limited creature can, in a relationship with Jesus Christ, uh, lay hold of a God who has all power, and he will hear his words, uh, and he'll answer personally and this is why I say uh, you have to bring this down to a personal application and making it real and making it local where you are and where you need and it's an invitation that God gives to you. Let me conclude this by talking about the neglected discipline that we're looking at here. Here's a clear direction and this clear direction in the scripture says to us, the Apostle Paul, I think he writes this, says, pray without ceasing. What he means by that is that regardless of what the circumstances are, regardless of what it sees the impossibilities are, you know, isn't it interesting how uh, when we have a difficulty, all of a sudden our, 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 our mind kicks in, you know, uh, there's a financial need, so all of a sudden we begin to calculate. Uh, we're going to take an offering, and so uh, the offering's there. Well, I, I believe in giving, but, you know, and, and we, we've got a calculator built in, right? Can you say amen? And the calculator is, uh, is prejudiced towards self-interest, of course, right? Uh, isn't it interested, uh, interesting uh, that as we begin to look at this uh, and we begin to uh, have some kind of difficulty, uh, immediately we... we, we uh, 
regardless of God says, you ask and you receive. You seek and you'll find. You'll knock and it'll be open. But when we run into a difficulty, then we begin to assess all of our capabilities. Uh, who do we know? Who, who can we touch? What, who can we call? What can we do? And uh, we ignore this tremendous statement uh, that is given here that God's given us an invitation that we can pray uh, and it says, regardless of what the difficulty, that's what it means when it says pray without ceiling. In other words, don't stop or don't neglect to, to exercise this di discipline, but involve yourself in regular discipline, enthusiastic prayer. James says these statements, uh, the effective, uh, fervent prayer of a righteous man will avail much. So here we have one of the greatest uh, indictments of the church. This is why I'm talking to you about this this morning. Verse 1, the disciples saw Jesus praying. And as they saw Jesus praying, suddenly they made the connection uh, that here is uh, the ministry of our Lord Jesus Christ. They're watching the multitudes drawn to the powerful words that he speaks. Uh, they're coming in droves to hear him. They're watching him work miracles uh, and heal the sick, uh, and suddenly they make a they make a, a connection, and they're inspired. Uh, and as they're inspired, uh, they're challenged. And these words are written that we find in Luke: "Lord, teach us uh, to pray," because they've made uh, the connection. The tragedy this morning is uh, that we have a record of humanity that neglects uh, this tremendous truth. Jesus is in the garden. This is the last night that he's going to spend with the disciples. He's now going to go to an event, which is Calvary's tree, as it concludes, with the most dynamic event that is ever going to happen on planet Earth. He's going to go to Calvary's tree. And he goes into the garden. As he goes into the garden, he says, you guys stay here and pray. I'm going to go over there and pray, but I want you to pray. Here is a climax moment. Here is a hinge pin moment. Here's an eternal moment. Uh, he goes off and he's praying, and pretty soon he comes back, uh, and there they are, sure enough. They're sound asleep. He said, couldn't you pray one hour? Do you feel that? I mean, here, here is, here's this, this glorious, eternal moment. And they're sound asleep. Oh, okay, well, yeah, nobody would. Yeah, we're going to pray. He goes off and prays again. He comes back again, and they're sound asleep. He says, watch and pray. The spirit's willing, but the flesh is weak. So that statement alone, is enough that you and I need to be inspired to give ourselves to this discipline because here it is, it's in the context of the connection of his ministry and the habit of prayer, and he's saying to them, your salvation, your Christian strength, 
everything that is uh, is involved about your dimension uh, with the, uh, the eternal plan of God is connected with prayer. The Spirit's willing. Yes, you know that you should, but your flesh is weak, and unless you build up uh, yourselves uh, and the Holy Spirit by prayer, then you're going to be liable to temptation. And he says, uh, 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 rise and pray, lest you fall into temptation. And here is the issue that we're dealing with today. There's a prophetic dimension uh, that is there and an admonition. In Luke's gospel, chapter 18, verse 8, he says, Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he really find faith on the earth? Think about that for a moment. What is he talking about? What he's talking about uh, is, uh, will he find people that are exercising themselves in prayer, believing God? He didn't ask them or say to them, uh, will, will he find religious activity on the earth? You've got all kinds of religious activity. Can you say amen? amen. You've got people there dancing and they're waving <laughs> banners. And they're, oh, they're just going through. But he's talking about exercising faith uh, to believe God. Are you still with me? What he's talking about is the religious insanity that we see on planet earth today. People will do anything but pray. You announce a uh, potluck dinner, you'll increase 50 people that day. <laughs> Can you say amen? People have an appetite. Some of you said, oh me, they're 10. Very interesting. I used to observe this. We had we'd have farewell services or we'd have a, a potluck dinner for whatever and you'd see people never see me any other time you know we had a lady lived down the street I think she had to tune her ear to when we had potlucks you know because people have an appetite for food well, I want to tell you that you need to develop an appetite for prayer and this is one of the unique dimensions that has helped us uh, in our fellowship is that we do have prayer meetings uh, and we do have a regular discipline and a, and, and a regimen of prayer. And undoubtedly is why God has helped us uh, through the years uh, because there's a supernatural dimension. Can you say amen? amen. You know, if, if you're going to bring a, have a conversion, God's going to have to do something. You're not going to be able to talk and say, hey, you know what? You need to get saved. Well, when do I need to get saved? I'm doing fine. You know, I got a chick. I got my dope. I got my car. I got, I mean, what do I need? People are not just going to, oh, I need to say, oh, okay, what do I do? It's going to be God's going to have to move. We, we've been getting a, a lot of, a lot of uh, heavy-duty uh, drug dealers and addicts uh, saved recently in the last uh, several months. Well, actually, last year. And actually, it's come to the place where uh, unless they got a tattoo, you know, we're going to get in. You know, these, these, these dudes are heavy duty. I'm talking, uh, we got one guy baptized. Uh, well, matter of fact, we had a baptismal service, and we had one guy, 32 years old, he's done 15 years hard time. Had another one there, he's done five years, just got out of prison. Another guy, he came to, to, to me the other day in breakfast, and he said, uh, Pastor, will you help me uh, do a resume? Uh, for a job. He said, I'm missing a nine-year gap. <laughs> I said, what were you doing in that? He said, I was dealing drugs. He said, well, uh, put on your retailing. <laughs> I 
you're not going to get these guys to come to church because you say, you need to come to church. Can you say amen? God is going to have to reach in to the human heart and do something you cannot do. And if anything's going to be done of eternal value, it's going to have to be a miracle of the Spirit of God. And Jesus didn't say, when I come back again, will I find people who are in religious activity? Because you can find people in religious activity massively. But what he said was, will I find faith on the earth? And what he's talking about, will I find people believing me? I want to tell you, every person here that's representing a church, uh, that this is the most crucial dimension of your entire church existence. Uh, listen to what I'm saying. Uh, prayer is a discipline that is missing. Uh, and here's this prophecy Jesus gives, uh, and we need to lay hold of God because prayer is faith uh, in action. It is a petition for God to do something uh, and undertake and intervene and help. That's what prayer is all about. That's why Jesus brought this indictment to, when I come again, will I find faith on the earth? Now here we have this evening, uh, uh, this morning, the throne of grace. Hebrews 4, verse 16, talks about a throne of grace. Now you and I live in a in a, a democracy of some kind or other. And this is hard for us to grasp because uh, we vote, we, uh, we have, go through various kinds of uh, processes and authority exercise. But in Bible days, uh, authority was exercised by a ruling figure, a sovereign organized and exercised and executed uh, the affairs of the kingdom uh, and so Paul reaches into this and says, you and I have a sovereign king. He has all power, all ability, and we have a throne of grace. In other words, uh, someone sitting on that throne that can give all that is needed. And this is a place uh, where an all-powerful God will dispense a miracle uh, that we do not deserve. That's what a throne of grace is. Prior to that, he talks about the high priest uh, that has ascended, our high priest has ascended, having accomplished uh, the grace of God, having accomplished the, the fact of redemption, and has ascended to the, to, to, into heaven, uh, thereby to make intercession for us, and sits upon uh, a throne of grace, uh, and that throne of grace uh, has the blessing that we need. Hebrews 4 Verse 16, let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace uh, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help uh, in time of need. So let's ponder that for a moment as I bring this to a conclusion. When I was saved, this is one of the most uh, uh, astonishing facts that I could even grasp. I was uh, 24 years old, nearly 25, when I got saved. I know most of you think I've lived for God all my life. I had all this wonderful inclination and I just wanted to serve God. Absolutely not. The astonishing concept, God would hear me and answer prayer. I used to pray 
my wife and I lived in a little place on the wrong side of the tracks in Phoenix, Arizona. Phoenix, Arizona sometimes in the summertime gets up uh, 44 degrees uh, centigrade. It's, 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 it's hell hot in, uh, in Phoenix, Arizona. And I would go outside in a little storage shed we had, just enough uh, room uh, there in the summertime, and begin to lay hold of God. I'd come out soaking wet with sweat, but I believed that God would hear and answer my prayer. Years uh, later, a couple of years later, three years later, I went to Bible school in Los Angeles, California. That's the only way we knew to get into the ministry. And uh, I worked at a job in the daytime, supported my family, went to uh, school at night. And uh, I'd rise early in the morning, uh, go into the little toilet. We lived in a little apartment uh, on the back of another person's house. Uh, had uh, It had a, a ki little kitchen. It had a toilet. It had a little bitty living room and a bedroom, and that was it. And I would go into this uh, uh, bathroom in the early morning hour, and my altar was the toilet. <laughs> Lay hold of God. Undoubtedly, it is because of that that I have survived the years uh, and uh, uh, where the spirit's willing, the flesh is weak, uh, it was because I did believe that God heard and answered prayer. So let's ponder this for a moment, the statement that I made, making it personal. It's easy for you and I to uh, begin to assume that because we have made a profession of faith, then uh, all we need to do is just come to church from time to time, get involved in religious activity, and God will take care of the rest. But that's not what is taught here. You have to make this personal. You can't Google this. You can't app this. You can't uh, uh, hail Mary this and push the button and for 99 cents, everything's going to be taken care of. You are going to have to personally make the application and begin to discipline and establish a personal habit of prayer. I want every head bowed. I want every eye closed.